But the thing is, like, if I'm looking at somebody and they're doing something that's different from me, I might have that old predisposition of, that's fucking weird. But I also check myself when I say that, and I'm like, hey, they're just living their life. That might be, be strange for me, but, you know, it's not strange to them. That's just who they are. That's the important part, or that's the meaning of life, is living your way, to the best of your ability, living your own way. And you think that's the common purpose? I believe, yeah. Yeah, I think if you, if you had to ask people what the meaning of life is, I really think it's a lot, it's not as complex as we try to make it. It's really just to be your, just be your best self. If you're happy with how you're living, you're, you're on the right path. If you're loving being alive and what you're doing, hey, you're, you're better than most. You're doing it better than most. Yo, what's up? This is Boho Hobo, and we welcome you all back to Bindalism, a philosophy to a self-sufficient lifestyle. The purpose of Bindalism is to unlock authentic perspective as we create a community of like-minded individuals who are living a self-sufficient lifestyle. A self-sufficient lifestyle is one in which a human being is activating their self-awareness to curate an authentic life that keeps them sustained mentally, emotionally, and physically in their adventure towards self-fulfillment. Boho Hobo's mission is to support a community that fosters this culture. We will be interviewing a diverse group of people, including artists, creatives, entrepreneurs, and independent thinkers to make this happen. Please join us in this journey as we explore the world and broaden our horizons with discoveries of new perspective. Thank you to everyone who is taking the time to stop by on your journey to give us a listen. We hope you enjoy, and as always, explore endlessly. What's up, you lovely souls? My name is Jack Cirillo, and I'm sitting with my boy Kyle, and with some neat stuff. All right. So I'm reading this book called America Before, and it's written by a guy named Graham Hancock, and he is a researcher and an archaeologist who has traveled around the world, and he studies human life and human advancement and one of the things that he's finding is a lot of archaeologists have said that we are like x amount years old like humans have only been around for like 40,000 years and he keeps finding proof and evidence that we are 100,000 years older than that and he's finding more evidence that keeps pushing the date back he's written three books before called fingerprints of the gods magicians of the gods and now his current which is like the up-to-date all the information's up-to-date book called america before and the chapter i'm reading right now is called uh, serpent mound which is a real landmark that you can go to in ohio it's a big big man-made swirled snake that's perfectly contortioned to the mountain the interesting thing about it is the body of it is pointed true north. And what's really cool about it is when the sun rises and sets during the summer solstice, it sets, it rises and sets perfectly in front of the head of the snake. Where is this at? Ohio. The neat thing is about where Serpent Mound is located is it's located inside of a crater that he found was created by an asteroid thousands of years ago, uh, a little bit before the Ice Age. And when the Ice Age happened, 
that huge wall of ice and all those glaciers stopped a couple miles before where Serpent Mountain's located. It's really strange when you think about it. Why would the entire world encompass, is encompassed in ice, but it stopped a few miles before where this landmark is located? The other thing is they can't figure out how old it is. He thinks it's extremely old, but they keep carbon, they've carbon tested it like two or three times, and every sample that they found is given a different date. So he thinks that people have been coming there and it's been like shedding its skin in a metaphorical sense. Like they keep, they rebuild it every time oh, they go no. back to it. He to theorized, yeah, like uh, the natives, Indian, Native Americans oh, okay. and um, the, the Paleolithic people that crossed the, the Pangaea Bridge over to North America. Okay, so he's an evolutionist. Kind of. Um, he doesn't give like a full basis on where he thinks people have come, have come from, at least I haven't gotten that far yet, but he talks about the perfect symmetry and the geometry in these, these structures, these man-made structures, and how the sun will set perfectly, perfectly mathematically in different parts during the different solstices. They've said that humans are savages, but how did these savages manage to build geometrically perfect structures? Like the pyramids. Yeah, like the pyramids, especially the pyramids, because he talks about in Egypt, one of the pyramids, uh, during the winter solstice, it will rise and set perfectly in front of the pyramid. Very interesting. Stonehenge, too. Limestone is not natural to that part of the area. People back then would have had to drag these, like, literal weighing tons, blocks of limestone, 18 miles from the shore. That's very hard to do. You would need like hundreds of thousands of people on that team, yet they've been there naturally. They were naturally there for billions of years. And when the sun hits it just right, it looks like it's perfectly lined up down the sights of a rifle. We Stonehenge is the one that is Yeah, the big, the big circle, yeah. Okay. And uh, one of the cooler finds that he found was they all like to call... Um, they, they like to refer to these older generations of humans, the ancients, as like primitive and savages. But he found a bracelet that had drill marks in it that were precision. This 50,000 year old bracelet looked like it had been drilled with a modern day power drill, yet it's 50,000 oh, wow. years old and it has that perfect alignment and it was made with the speed that you could compare to a modern day power drill. So he's thinking that there might have been the so-called like modern civilization yeah in previous years yeah so like right now they're using a system called lidar which is laser radar what it does is instead of going in and like defacing forests and shit they use a whole bunch of lasers and they shoot them all across a big span of area and it gets a 3d picture of these hidden objects and it gets like the all the structure to it and they're finding in South America right now, in the Amazon rainforest, cities. Cities, just abandoned, but they're all built with that mathematical perfection, like the pyramids and the other old structures. And they don't know how they got there, or where those people were, or how old they were. And what he thinks is, there's an asteroid belt that is in the way of where the Earth is. We've been hit by asteroids before, where during the Ice Age and the dinosaurs, he thinks that this is not a coincidence, that these, this asteroid is like some form of uh, like a celestial test for us, like a test of if we can band together to stop them. Because we have the technology to do that, it would just take all of the major 
uh, all of the major continents and the major cities coming together to stop these asteroids because they're literal planet killers and the one that is coming close to hitting us right now is in 20 miles in diameter that oh, thing wow. would crack the planet in half if it <laughs> hit us and it's hiding in this asteroid belt they're having trouble locating it because it's hiding within all these little asteroids in the darkness of the outer rims of space but it's come dangerously close to hitting us before because of where everything's like rotating and whatnot so they know it's out there. Yeah. It's just a matter of time of like when it's gonna hit. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a it could happen tomorrow, three years from now, a week from now. They, there's no pinpointing it, but we have the technology and the ability to travel to these asteroids, mine them, make them smaller, and then use rocket propulsion to push them out of the trajectory of the planet. It's just a very difficult thing to achieve without coming together to make it happen. But we can do it now? We could, in theory, do it now. And what he theorizes is, there are these structures, the pyramids and like the, the big cities. Those blocks of marble and sandstone weigh like 15 tons. That's just a spitball, don't quote me on that. But they weigh tons. No amount of physical strength could pick those blocks of limestone up that high off the ground without some form of like mental telepathy, which was one of my theories and one of his theories as well. People back then had gifts and could do things that we can't do now because we have distractions like phones and TV and media. So you're thinking that the people who made the pyramids had like telepathy, yes. telepathic powers? What I mean by that is, so you have, you, you just set this guy down in earth. There's no technology around him. It's just him and nature. You have nothing to do except interact with this world. You study the way that it interacts with you, and you study the way that your energy interacts with the world. And once you understand how that back and forth goes, and you're you can it. manipulate it at will. That's, that's what they're theorizing, is these people just had such a natural understanding of the way and the energy of the world interacted with them, and their energy interacted with it, that they could control it. And that's where, like, the theory of where do gods come from? Where do, where do all these stories of psychic powers and telepathy and all that mystic shit, it all came from somewhere, in a sense. Oh, wow. And, like, <clears throat> yeah, just the way that the perfect mathematical structure of these buildings, just there's no way that primitives could have achieved such physically demanding feats without extra help from something and the more rational thing than saying all oh, aliens came down from the sky and helped us is we did it ourselves we could just do more because we didn't have the distractions that we do in modern day life so do you think that if we took away all the distractions we would be able to develop this telepathic power today or do you so. think it was a different type of human species or humanoid well he does talk about that there were three different species of human that interbred, which is where we came from. We look the way we do because of the interbreeding of those three different species. So we had the, the Paleolithic people with the huge foreheads. They weren't stupid. They were capable of math. They were capable of comprehending science, having intellectual thought. And then you had these two other groups of people. I, I can't remember what their names are, but they all congregated and they interbred. And that's where we came from. But yeah. I think that if people 
like real if somebody wanted to learn these powers or get close to having these abilities use more than their 10% of their brain they would have to fully invest like literally in a sense become one with the world they'd have to live like a, like a, a hermit to be able to have these telepathic powers yeah to okay. understand the way that we interact with the earth fully and be able to manipulate it cuz it it mm -hmm. kind of make it sounds crazy but in the sense it seems plausible when you think about it because we've seen we have these examples of people who can do things that seem strange now like we have people who are empaths who can read people's emotions and see their see their feelings a lot of people accept that because so many people have been able to prove that they have that ability and then we have people who claim that they can see the future well can they really like premonitions yeah like premonitions some of them yeah it's it's been done before most of the people that have those abilities, they don't talk about it, though. Not openly, at least. Um, but there was a... It's hard to look at history and see how, how important magic and astronomy and, and the mysticism in life was a part of their governments, the way that they lived. It was, it was in everything that they did. And then it all changed after... after uh, Caesar burned down the great library in Rome. He laid siege to all of those beliefs and moved toward the development of Christianity. We were never the same after that. In a sense, if you looked at the way that history was going, we kind of started to take steps down. We downgraded, in a sense, after that. Not to, not to bash people that follow that religion, of course. I'm not, I don't want to say that that's what I'm saying, but it's hard to ignore those, the changes. We became much more aggressive after that. We got, we got into so many more conflicts after that. War just became this ugly thing that consumed people. Money, government, being told how to live your lives, being, having people appointed to think for you. That's not the way that we were supposed to live. We were supposed to, we were supposed to have guides, not leaders. People that, were in, that, that are in these, these quote-unquote seats of power weren't necessarily there to control us per se. They were there to help us develop, to further ourselves, to live life at to the fullest of our way. Instead of control. Yes. We would be, I would believe, or I'd like to think to believe, that if we were somehow able to get away from, from governments and move more towards uh, self-development and self-living, that we would be happier as a whole. We would be more unified as a people we wouldn't be as aggressive towards one another because we're all doing the same thing we're all alive we all get to enjoy being alive and it's pretty cool to sit back and think huh i get to wake up every day and literally do whatever i want and that guy over there gets to do that too and that girl over there gets to do that too i don't hate them it's cool we're just being alive it's all good I don't have to hate this person. I don't know who he is or what he's practicing. It doesn't matter. So where do you think that hate comes from? Fear. Largely from fear. A lot of people... Well, you have these groups of people who don't really understand this type of thinking. It frightens them because they've seen... There, there is, there's always going to be a balance. There's always going to be a good. There's always going to be an, be an evil in a sense. We can't get rid of it, though. There's, n there's never really going to be a stop to people doing bad things. People do bad things, 
in a sense, it sounds horrible, but it develops us. We don't grow if we don't go through the shit, in a sense. We don't develop as people if we don't suffer in some ways. We can't, we can't problem solve if there aren't any problems. But we can't just look at problems and say, oh, this is the devil, everyone that thinks like this, every, everybody that acts like this must be destroyed, and everybody that agrees with them must be stopped and suppressed. That's not the way to do it. It's good to stop them, of course, in, in a sense of when they're in the act of doing something, like say, say if a guy wanted to take a rifle to a school. Obviously, stop that guy if you can. But that's a horrible, that's a horrible example that we have to learn from. Those instances we're supposed to learn from, we're not supposed to act irrationally during those types of things. We're not supposed to freak out and throw fingers at one each other and argue, oh, you're not doing this right or you're not living right like when you're doing like this. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. You're not, you're not them. You're not, living, you're not living for them. You're living for yourself. What matters to you? So how do you practice that, living for yourself? I follow... Anything that makes me feel alive, any passion that I see that I resonate with, I'm like, yeah, that's pretty cool. I want to learn a little bit about that. And if I like it, I'll delve in fur further and learn more about it. Like uh, like the, the weapons, when we, when we were talking about that, like I really like learning uh, self-defense with a multitude of different tools. Like I have knives, swords, guns, well, not so many guns, um, the bow staff, you know, it just, it's, it's kind of like a, a meditation for me because I like to know how to be able to protect myself. And photography is a good meditation for me. It's a nice pastime to be involved with people and be involved with nature and really like celebrate the beauty of it. And uh, even with my metaphysical practices, like uh, I work a lot with crystals. Me and, my, me and my wife work a lot with crystals. We have a huge collection of all different diverse crystals and we study the way that they interact with us and how we interact with them. Because they're kind of like a... How do they? I hear a lot about like crystals and I'm not really too acquainted with it. Yeah, so take this for example. This is amber, it's a ring. Amber is a, is a fire attributed stone. It gives you warmth, it makes you feel, it helps you build your self-confidence, it helps you feel good about yourself. So it helps you build up, it builds up body positivity. Um, whereas a, a very important stone that I like is called chrysocala. That helps people through a therapeutic, the energy is therapeutic and it helps people get over abuse that they've been put through. Black kyanite helps keep away negative thoughts and negative energy. Saying you feel angry or somebody is angry at you and you, you focus on taking in the energy of the kyanite and it will help suppress or disperse that bad emotion. So would, so would tourmaline and all those other stones. But do you know how it works? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it sounds a little kooky, but it's cool. Uh, we've experimented with psychedelics. We've, ta we've both taken acid. And our first time taking it together, I have a crystal ball, a crystal sphere, and it has an open face to it. Amethyst, citrine, and hematite. All very notable, very powerful healing stones. I was holding it in my left hand. Your left hand is your receiving hand, or whatever your, your non-dominant hand is where you take energy in. 
I was holding it in my hand and I was watching the colors of this sphere bleed into my hand. I was watching it trickle kind of like water from the sphere into my skin. And I could feel the warmth from the sphere coming into my hand and coming into my body and I felt more at peace while I was holding it. It was really interesting because like they say, or a lot of people use it so as... So how did the acid unlock your ability to see that? It opens a part of your mind that you're not trained to use. Well, you can become, a, you can trip, quote unquote. I don't know why. You can, you can like trip without this through meditative practices, but to like get your foot in the door of this life, you can take substances like like DMT. DMT takes you to the, the, the afterlife, or at least that's what they theorize, because it's naturally in your third eye, your pineal gland, and a few other organs in your body, and it floods to your brain that's when you chakra, die. chakra, right? Yeah. Yeah, it floods into your brain when you die. And you can, and it's a natural substance. You can find it through a special toad and like different plants, and you you like uh, you smoke it, and it immediately it's like a they say it's like a rocket ship into an entirely different place, and all around you are like like gods and other spiritual entities, and they interact with you, and you're never the same after you take it. Mike Tyson has taken it, Joe Rogan has taken it, a few other notable people have taken it, and it completely changed the way that they looked at the world and reality. So when you're taking acid, it lets you see things, in a sense, in a pure energy form. Like when I took this and I looked at her skin, I saw runes, like Nordic runes, like that ancient inscribed language all over her skin. And it was on me, too. Like the tattoos yeah. kind of thing? Yeah. And it, it was changing. Like all of the symbols were, they'd stay the same for like a second and then they would change to something else. So it was kind of like... Do you think those were like your past life's experiences, having those, or...? It could be, but I think in a sense we, we are composed in a sense of... We're composed of energy. Nobody would, nobody would dispute that. Nobody would doubt that. Everything is composed of the same thing. Particles, you know, molecules. We're all, we're all made of the same thing. And we see them or at least in that case, we saw our composition of our bodies, the runes kind of made up our physical form, in a sense. And looking at crystals, you see very, very visually, very physically, the energy that they're giving off. They look alive, in a sense. When you look at them, it looks like they have running veins inside of them, and in their veins is that energy that you take from them when you're not tripping, but you see it visually. You visually see the energy interacting with you and your energy interacting with it. Like uh, one of the times when we were doing that, I was holding a piece of kyanite that I had just gotten. It looks like it looks like black shards of glass clumped together in like a fan. And I asked it uh, a silly question. I asked it, show it what, show me what where you live looks like. Show me what home looks like to you. And I closed my eyes, and it was pillars of this all around, everywhere, and they were all interconnected like a hive mind, which was really fascinating. I didn't expect that from that crystal. It was all, they're all linked together. All the pieces of black kyanite 
were linked together in that moment. They all were talking to each other and interacting with each other. Like a network. Yeah, like a network. And like amethyst is a healing stone, looking at it while you're tripping, it looks very bright, very purple, like, you know, oh, pretty colors and all, all that funny stuff. But then you look at a it's tree. It's like happy energy. Yeah. Yeah, like all the all the crystals, none of them will harm you. That's not what they're here for. They're they're teachers, they're guides in a sense. So if you want to learn to be more compassionate, you would hold rose quartz. You would let that energy come into you and you would become more compa compassionate on an issue that you would want more compassion towards. Or say if you your relationship is becoming a little bit dull, you would hold carnelian, which is a passion stone and it would help reignite the fire between you and your partner because that's what it's known to do. People have thousands or many years of studies have been done of people interacting with this stone and that's all the consensus that they got from it. Carnelian is the passion stone. Rose quartz is the love stone and the compassion stone. But they also have a unique aspect that specifically helps you. Like if you hold rose quartz, you might get that compassion, but you also might get something else from it that I won't get from it. Hmm. So they all give you the same basis, but they also have something personal for you to learn. Can, like, grow with you. Almost. Yes. Yeah, no, very literally, yeah, they grow with you. The longer, they say, they say the longer that you own a crystal, the more stronger the bond becomes with you, the stronger the energy gets with it, and you can very physically notice the effects that it has on someone. When I first got that, uh, that citrine, amethyst, and hematite sphere, my mom was having a migraine, and I set it in her hands, and in a snap of a finger, it was gone. What? Yeah. You that, saw it? That really happened. She, her head had been hurting all day. She, it was very noticeably, she was in discomfort. I set it right in her hand, and she was like, it's gone. I go, what, what's gone? And she goes, my headache is gone. Wow. She gave it back to me. It started to come back. I put the sphere back in her hand. It, was, it went away again. That's nuts. Yeah. She's blind, too. My mom is uh, blind. She's been blind since she was 19. She was water skiing in Texas while she was in college. She got uh, either bird or bat feces in her retinas, and she developed a disease called histoplasmosis. Uh, it's more okay. commonly known in American soldiers who were in Vietnam. They got it in their lungs, but she got it in her retinas, and it slowly took her vision over time. And it was really fascinating to see her interact with crystals because we... Um, off, off tangent. I had just gotten through a really rough relationship and I knew I was going to go down a path I didn't want to go. I was going to go into toxic coping mechanisms that I didn't want to give into. I wanted to give into some, put it towards something productive. I wanted to be better than who I was at the time. And when I made that decision, my mom called me and she said, hey, there's a, there's a metaphysical fair at a crystal store that's nearby here. Do you want to go? And I was like, yeah, we're going. And she goes, oh, I thought, like, you know, if you wanted to go yourself, I go, no, you and I are going to this. Like, it was important for me that she was there. And we walked into the store. It's called Sandalwood Stone. It's in Marietta, New York. I'm, I'm friends with the lady who owns it. Her name's Tammy. Her husband's name's Reg. They're very lovely people, and they know a lot about stones, where they come from, their properties, and all that. She's been a very, very important guide in my life. We walk in there, and I'm just, my, I'm breathless every type of crystal you can think of is there all on shelves she's got an a to z wall of crystals like little Man. tumbled stones <laughs> and my mom asked me the question how does a crystal choose you or how do you choose a crystal 
I go, well, you know, a person with sight would close their eyes, hold their hand over the pile of crystals, and whatever felt, you'd feel like a tingle, a pull, or a warming sensation towards what everyone's calling to you. I, 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 it's I, like intuitive? Yeah. So she couldn't see. This is all very natural to her, very primal senses she's working with. She sticks her hand over a group of stones that were for her star sign because she's a Gemini. So I had her stick her hand over a Gemini uh, stone, which was serpentine. Okay. She sticks her hand out, and she laughed, and she snatched a stone right out of the pile. And it was the Gemini one. It was, yeah, it was, it was, that particular stone had called to her, and she goes, can I do that again? I stuck her hand over three different piles, and she, every single time, she would find a stone, and she would just pluck it right out, instantly, out of the pile. So they, because she doesn't have sight, her, her parts of her brain intuitive, more yeah, yeah, because your senses are heightened process. when you lose a sense. When you lose sight, in a sense, you gain true sight. And what is true sight? Seeing everything for what it is. She's not distracted or inhibited by um, the facade looks. By, yeah, the facade of looks. She can't be tricked by someone's you know, charisma or, or the charisma of their looks. She sees them for exactly what they are. Because when you lose your sight, you develop that supernatural gift called empathy. That's uh, how she okay. communicates with people effectively. So if she's having a conversation with someone, she can sense if the conversation's going the wrong way and she knows that she can get away from them. It's a natural psychic defense that everyone can have if they work to have it. Because she can probably really hear the tone of the voice. She hears and... it and she feels it. She can, you're literally feeling a person's emotion. So like, and the other cool thing is, it's hereditary. I mean, we all can get this gift, but when somebody is given it, it is more strongly prominent in the child that they have, which was me. But it works differently. Your single child? Yes. It works different. I have a half-sister, but different mother. Same father, different mother. Um, it works differently for me because I have sight. So you hear the saying, the eyes are the window to the soul. That's a very literal meaning for me. So when I look into someone's eyes, I can gauge what type of person they are. So like... Well, I'm talking to you right now. I'm kind of like blowing your fucking mind in a sense because you're hearing a conversation that's very, very abnormal, but you're very interested. It's and, and, mind opening. Yes. So I have, so say I'm staring at some somebody across the room and I can gauge, oh, that person's going to do something unsavory. And then they will. They'll, they'll walk up to somebody and give them attitude because they were unhappy with the order that they got or something. And you can sense that just from the way they're composing yeah. themselves. Yeah. It's in, it's in their body language, but it's also primarily it's in their face and it's in their eyes. So when I look at somebody, I see who, or when I spend a lot of time looking into their eyes, I see the type of person that they are. Like I can tell from looking at you, you, you enjoy learning things. You like to go out and find information, but you are, you're kind about it. You like being nice to people. You like making people feel good about themselves. Not to build you up for a selfish reason, but because it genuinely makes you feel good to be a good person. That's kind of something that I'm gauging off of you. I don't know if I'm, if I'm right, but... It's accurate, yeah. It's almost psychic. 
and it, yeah, yeah, very, very much. It's a sixth sense. We use 10% of our brain. Trying to comprehend all the, uh, that 90% that we aren't aware of what it can even do. Nobody can really say what's what with a human brain or what the human capability is. We're essentially limitless, in a sense. Or like that, uh, that movie, what was that movie with Scarlett Johansson? I think it's called Limitless. Yeah, or no, Limitless was the one where the guy took the drug and he, he oh, became yeah, like yeah. super, super. Lucy. It was called Lucy, where she got like the. She developed 100% of her brain and she oh, just yeah, became yeah. everything all at once at the end of the movie. But that's something to me that I believe is very feasibly a real thing that we can do. Um, one of the things that my wife's studying right now is uh, Hermeticism, which is the. Heard of that? Yeah, it's higher magic but it's meant for connecting with the gods it's meant to develop your relationship with the higher powers that you believe in and even to teach yourself to become one of them because one of the things that we believe is everybody everybody if they wanted to could become a deity in some shape or form supernatural yes so like different tangent when you die nobody nobody can fully tell you what happens when you die um, but what I know is I have memories and I have abilities that would have needed to be taught to me but nobody did in this lifetime I just know them like the how combat skills the combat skills yes I've been swinging around swords since I was a kid I've been learning teaching myself how to fight or reteaching myself how to fight from conception almost like there would be things that I would do that wouldn't quite make sense like when I uh, moments that I when I was younger when I lost my temper you know how people when they lose their temper and they want to fight somebody they just start blind swinging you know they want to hit you as hard as possible and it's not very graceful when I got there lashing out panel tunnel vision I would, when, when I would loo, lose my temper, I focused only on that person. And my, the way that I would hit them wasn't like an outreached arm. I hit you with force and precision in an area I knew was going to knock you up down on the ground and you weren't going to get up. Wow. Um, one of the times that I did That's that. That's scary at a young age to yeah, know how to do. It frightened me every time that it happened. Uh, and one time I forced it because there was a kid that I was really close to and he was going down a really dark rabbit hole of you know, drug addiction and he did, he did something really bad one time and I was trying to keep him from getting fucked up by the kids that he stole drugs from. He stole, he stole drugs from his friends and I, knew, I know what happens to people that do that. Never ends well for them, ever. You don't steal drugs from people and you just turn out fine. But he believed that. He was like, oh, they're my friends, they're not gonna do shit. And he had, he had disrespected me and pe people that I cared about before and I was, I was done with it. I don't know how I did this, but he was behind me and I knew right where he was. I knew the exact distance that he was behind me. I turned around and with everything I had, I hit him right below the temple, right in the jaw. And he spun and just went right down on the ground. And yeah. the second he hit the ground, I was on top of him with my hand around his throat. And I was like, dude, you have a choice right here. I beat the shit out of you or I save your life. Choose. And he was just like, 
you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry I gave you shit, you know, let's, let's go home. He lived that day. Those guys came to his house after that. I got him home, they rolled up in a black car, there was a bunch of them in, in the car, and I was standing out there with a katana like, get out of the car. Try to hurt my friend, get out of the car, I dare you. None of them would get out of the car. Wow. The mom got out of the house and like started yelling at them and you know trying to figure out what- Did they have any guns? No, I don't know. None of them got out of the car. Only one of them ended up getting out of the car, which was the, the talker, the one who was talking to her. Eventually got out of the car, went in the house, got what was left of the drugs and left. But I think the reason that they didn't get out of the car was because he was a shit talker. Okay. You know, I, I was talking himself. Up. I was training him how to fight. I think I was known among his friends as a person like, hey, if you mess with me, my friend Jack will fuck you up okay. or something like that. Not to mention, who wants to take the gambit of fighting a dude with a katana? <laughs> That's not going to go well for anyone. You know, not, not to talk myself up, but, you know, if they didn't have any weapons, that's not a fair fight. Right. Um, but just examples like that. And uh, I took a judo class in college. I thought I would like it, and I ended up hating it. And I eventually started to just sit out most of the classes, and one of my friends asked me why, and I was like, I'm just analyzing all of the mistakes they're making. They're leaving so much of their body open to compromise while they're trying to do these throws it's not worth it they like one guy's like oh this is the perfect arm bar and he did one and they're laying on the ground and i was like if that was me i've got another arm free i'm gonna sock you in the ribs until i hear a crunch and i would just like critique it so viciously to the point where after i walked away from that class i was like i'm not gonna follow that martial art anymore that's not gonna help me in life that's not gonna protect uh, okay. me it's not practical. No, no. The throws can be, but they leave a lot of compromise. Like, which is probably why you don't see a lot of that in, in the MMA. Yeah. Like UFC. Yeah, like when you when you see like the, the John Wick movies, when he's fighting, when he does a throw, there's a hit right after that throw because you have to. You can't, it's not realistic to think that you can just throw somebody and put them in an arm lock and that's the end of the fight. They have other appendages. They'll break their, in a real life situation, a person will break their arm trying to survive a fight. They'll, they'll do whatever they have to to fight. And one time, this really mean-hearted black belt, he, he wore his black belt like he was better than everyone else. Without warning, he picked me up and did an overhead throw. What, he didn't know the things that I knew. I don't even fully know the things that I know. All the memories that I have of these different lives are locked away. They only come out during emergencies. That okay. was an emergency. I wasn't expecting a throw. Instinct kicked in. Those old memories and skills kicked in. I grabbed his belt and started to do a crocodile roll. <laughs> so when he threw me, I took him with me. And if I finished that roll, which I was tempted to, but I, I was able to stop it, if I had finished that roll, he would have hit neck first in the mat, and I would have killed him. Wow. It would. It, he threw the way he threw me, and the way that I grabbed his belt and twisted, it was gonna he throw his head. It. Yeah, he was gonna go head first right into that mat at an angle, and then you just would have heard a nasty snap. And the dumbass tried to do it again right after, without warning me, and I did it again and threw him. Wow. He hated me after that. <laughs> well, more, more than he did a after that experience, he That's just... ego. Yeah, ego. That's another reason that I didn't like it, was these people thought that they earned their, their belt, 
and they were just you can kind of see that well i don't want to generalize but there the, are the people. karate arts yeah because there's rank to it yeah as opposed to like wrestling where it's just grunt yeah and the thing that the thing that i keep with martial arts training is you're always a student always in fighting there's always a better move there's always a better fighter there's always something that you can correct about your style and this is in what judo but any okay. sort of fight fighting there's always critiques that you can make on yourself to improve to become a better fighter um and i'm i've I haven't been in enough physical altercations to say, like, I'm a good fighter. I just remember moves that are prudent to surviving a fight. Like, the first thing that I teach people, which is a general general knowledge, if you know you're going to be in a physical altercation and if you can do it, you hit that fucker in, a, in the throat as hard as you can. Because that that's, you know, you, you crush somebody's windpipe or you hit them hard enough, that's going to choke them. You can run away after that. Or if somebody's taking a step and you give a swift low kick right under, right above their knee, that's going to break their fucking knee. <laughs> and the other thing is, like, your ribs are the most sensitive part of your body. All your major organs are right in your stomach and right below the ribs. You don't want to focus on the head. You want to focus on the throat and everything below that. I went from talking about psychic powers to kicking <laughs> people's asses. I'm interested here, like, what was your first encounter when you um, realized you had these, like, pre-lives, these memories that you didn't have in this current life? It was a girl. Um, the girl that I, I wanted to get into crystals afterwards because it was a very, very passionate relationship, but I was, I was obsessed, not in a healthy way. Um, when I first met her, she said, I've met you before, you know, we've met before. I was like, oh, you know, like at a store or something. She goes, no, not in this lifetime. And I was like, yeah, okay. Well, um, cause I was, I was raised by a very Christian person. I, I believed in Jesus until like two or three years ago oh, wow. or just something. And I was like, all right, you know, cute story. But as I got older, I started to question, why do I naturally understand fighting? Why do I naturally understand how to work with weapons? Why do I naturally know what I, where to go, where to not go, because it'll keep me safe? How do I know to climb so well? Um, like rock climbing? Yeah, or just, just scaling. Trees? Yeah, trees. Waterfalls are one of my favorite things oh, to wow. scale. Um, I didn't even know you could do that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In the waterfall? Not in it. There are, you have to look for the sides that don't have water because you can you can get your f footing and your hands cupped into that side or you could rip a piece of of that shale out to give yourself kind of like a pocket to hold on to oh, okay um <clears throat> but when i climb i don't want to be wearing shoes you know you want you want your feet free you want your toes free because you can use you can flex better yeah you can flex them to the stone you can flex your finger you know your hands really good you know you can move your your body better like just an example of some oh yeah so so back on track a dream happened most horrifying thing 
I've ever seen in my life, and it was Normandy Beach, World War II. It felt way too real to be a dream. I, I, get, I, I, I get panicky. I've had panic attacks over seeing pictures of Normandy Beach. I get anxiety every time I see something about Normandy Beach. And I would, there's... PTSD. Yes, yes. Almost. Boats came up, or I was in a boat, I was, Amer I was an American soldier. Those boats with the drawbridge that came down on the beach, I was in one of those with my platoon. I was one of the only people to get past the turrets. Just watching people get... I detest firearms because of that dream, because of that lifetime. They, do, they took, they took the, the emotion, the passion. Out, they, they, they took the realness out of taking someone's life away when they made guns, when they made missiles, when they made the atomic bomb. They took, you know, now they have drones. You don't even have to look at the thousands of people you're killing with that missile. Uh, it took all of the personal, the personal interaction out of conflict. Mm -hmm. That was a mistake. But I was there on the front line. I watched people die horribly. I was one of the only people, and I knew I was gonna die. I got up past the turrets. I still had ammo in my rifle, and I threw it down into the sand. I said, no, I'm not dying like a soldier. I'm dying my way. I took out my bayonet, and I just started to run at people. And when, you, when you're on, you know, when your adrenaline kicks in, you can move fast. Multiply that by two, that's how fast I was moving. The second people saw me, it was too late. I already had my knife on their throat. I went through maybe five or six people and then I saw my eyes were set right on one of the bunkers. Uh, my plan was to jump in there and try to, if possible, kill everyone in there to stop them from killing my people, to help them get past the beach. But they saw me coming. Dropped down into the turret, they had it pointed directly at me. So I had a split second to react. I threw my bayonet, they started to shoot at me. I remember the bullets hitting me all over the place, but before I died, I saw that knife hit a captain right in the fucking forehead before I died. So that dream happened and I was like, damn, that was real. That was really real, that really happened. You know, I don't know if that was an ancestor, if that was me, but then later on I just accepted that was a former former me. I learned a little bit more about that who I was back then. I had severe depression, I smoked, I just I didn't want to be alive. Then I got drafted and I was just like, oh well, now I get to die. Great, good. Backtrack a couple hundred years, a few centuries before that. So I'm a few years past now in my current life, and I'm with... This is a different lifetime. This is a different lifetime that I'm talking about now. This was, this was my, the second lifetime that I have memories of. This one was with the girl. This was how I knew her. Oh, okay. So we're, we're in present life now. I'm now dating this girl. Present life is in your current life right current now. Current life right now. I'm in her room, she's sitting the way you are, and my head's in between her legs looking up at her. I'm somewhere else. Different time period. I'm bleeding, dying, from a crossbow, 
crossbow bolt that's in my ribcage and I'm dying and I'm looking up at her cry or she's crying screaming and the last thing that I remember was I would give anything to look into these eyes again and it just faded to black Whoa. that lifetime from what she told me which gives every precedence to this to the weapon experience she said we were assassins legitimate apex predator assassins creed level assassins and this was before the, the world war two experience yeah. i don't know where we were I, I still haven't been able to figure out what city or what country it was in but the buildings were sand sandstone we were on a mission to kill a king we hunted and killed people who abused power they used it to manipulate things in their favor at the cost of humanity. We, that's where we would step in and say, your time's up. Someone better than you it needs to step in. It went wrong, obviously went horribly wrong and it ended up with me dying in her lap. Then, shortly after this, and this was while I was awake too, this wasn't a dream, this was literally snap of a finger like in a movie just a, a cutback to the past that I'm watching through my eyes. While you were still conscious? Yeah, while I was still conscious, I watched this happen. Fast forward a couple weeks later, I have another one of these premonitions where I wake up. I call them glyphs, glyphs of the past. I was in a hallway charging a knight and they were in mid-swing of a sword. I grabbed their sword slammed my knife into their rib cage, ran them through a window and used their body as a cushion for the fall. And then another snap, I'm, I'm back in reality. And I was like, holy shit, that was awesome. But I wanna know more. <laughs> so every time, you know, every time I would try to focus on picking up something, Sometimes I would learn a new fighting move, sometimes I wouldn't. It just, it would vary. I haven't learned the correct meditation to get those memories back. I only have bits and pieces. Um, when I'm in physical danger, instinct kicks in. All of those old memories kick in. I move differently, faster, more precise, more accurate. I just, I'm not me in a sense. When, when, shit, hit, when shit hits or the fan. Or maybe an expert form yeah. of who you were. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of snap back to that previous self with all those skills that I'm able to use. I can use them now in a more mediocre sense, but sometimes I'll be able to learn something precise, like the bow staff, for example. My first time working with it, it was very awkward at first. It was a little bit heavy, a lot heavier than this one. It was thicker. Um, I got the gist of the moves down, but they were very sloppy. Fast forward and now I get this bow staff. It's a completely different animal. I'm a completely different animal moving with, with this staff. It goes almost every time exactly where I want it to go. It moves exactly where, how I want it to move. I'm able to manipulate it much more precise and accurately. With no training. A sensei didn't show me or critique my views. It just naturally came to me. It's interesting. <clears throat> it's interesting how much we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, that kind of gets back to the the America Before book. 
you know, looking yeah, at... Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Full lo- circle. Looking at that, getting back to all those civilizations that were just gone, wiped out by those a- asteroids, the survivors tried to re... In my theory, the survivors tried to rebuild what they had, but it got harder every time a cataclysmic event happened. It got harder to get back to those those levels because they they probably question, am I doing the right thing? They probably were. They were probably living the right way, but they weren't figuring out how to combat those asteroids. Now we are a society that is fully enveloped in technology. We are fully, we have a program developed to space exploration. We have tools now that can stop things like this from happening. Issue is, we are such a, we're much more combative than we were back then towards one another. We can't work together. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm the type of person where, when I look at you, yes, you're, you're an Asian American, but I don't, I don't pay attention to that when I look at you. I look at you as, you're just a person. That's all you are to me. You're a human soul. That's all you are. Using the empath ability. Just my, not necessarily my empath ability, just my mindset. I don't look at people as, oh, you're, you're, you're black, or you're, you're Asian, so you're different, or you're Mexican, so you're different than me. None of that shit's real. What makes you different is your soul, not your pigment, not your skin tone, not where what part of the world you came from. We're all this. We're all. All of our souls are unique. All of them are unique to us, but they're all. We're all the same in a sense that we're all the same type of organism. We're all connected because we're the same species in a sense. You know, we all we all bleed the same color. So. It's, it's hard for me, it's painful to me to be in this mindset and to still still see these ridiculous, like, hate crimes and shit being committed on one another. We're so, we're so quick to want to fight one another when it's just, we need to work harder to... It's almost prehistoric. Yeah, we need to, to set that shit aside and work on understanding that we're all doing the same thing. We don't need to be fighting each other. We're all trying to get by. We're all trying to live our best life. We all want the same thing. It doesn't have to be, we don't have to live the same way to have unity. We can all be ourselves in our own way, live our lives the own our own way. We're just so focused on what our neighbor's doing. We're too invested in what our neighbor's doing. We have media where we literally are telling people exactly what we're doing all the time. I don't, my curtains are closed for a reason, man. I don't want people to know what I'm doing behind my doors. I don't want that judgment. I don't need it. But the thing is, like, if I'm looking at somebody and they're doing something that's different from me, I might have that old predisposition of, that's fucking weird. But I also check myself when I say that, and I'm like, hey, they're just living their life. You know, that might be be strange for me, but, you know, it's not strange to them. That's just who they are. And that's, that to me, that's the important, that's the important part, and that's the meaning of life, is living your way the best, to the best of your ability, living your own way. And you think that's the common purpose? I believe, yeah. Yeah, I think if you... If you had to ask people what the meaning of life is, I really think it's a lot, it's not as complex as we try to make it. It's really just to be your, just be your best self. If you're happy with how you're living, you're, you're on the right path. 
if you're loving being alive and what you're doing, hey, you're, you're better than most. You're doing it better than most. Well, that's pretty wise. And counterintuitive to some, to maybe society's mainstream media sense. Yeah. It's hard for me to, it, it's hard for me to agree with social media. I like Instagram a lot. I, I like Instagram a lot more than I like Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat. I like Instagram because its purpose is not to, oh, they're living their life so much better than me. That's not why they took that photo. Some of them, yeah, they're, they're fucked up. They want to make people feel bad about how they're living. But the true, the true Instagram user takes those pictures to make you smile, or at least that's why I do it. I take these photos of, of me being happier or, or pictures of nature, not to make you feel envious, but hey, look at this nice picture. This is a nice picture, right? You like looking at this. That's, here you go. That's the purpose of this app. Like the purpose of appreciation. Yes, yeah. And Showing your art, celebrating being alive, celebrating the, the passions in life, the art, you know, all of it. We don't have to shame people for what they like. We shouldn't, you know, that entire concept is just totally messed to me, shaming people. This, it's really terrifying to me that we're getting into a stage where we are actively trying to silence people we don't agree with. That's terrifying to me because we're now getting into a, a, a dictatorship or a totalitarian way of life where if you're this way, you're either going to have the shit kicked out of you, you're gonna get this quote unquote deep platform where you're not allowed to have social media. There are people who, like Alex Jones for example, you can't say Alex Jones on like Twitter or Facebook, I think, without it getting removed. Like if you use the word, really? yeah, cause they, they don't agree with him. So if you say, oh, I watched this Alex Jones thing, you'll get a notification on Facebook saying you're the only person who can see this post. <laughs> they actively censor you now. So Censorship, you, yeah. that's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> and I got, I had a, another person who thinks sort of the way I do ask me, well, do you think people who po say hateful things should be silenced? And I said, no. And they said, why? I said, because they deserve, they deserve to be able to say what's on their mind. It's like, like equal also, opportunity. Yes. You should, you can say whatever you want to. That's a part of being alive. You, but you also have the freedom to either buy into it or walk away from it. And that's that's the power. That's the and part. the people are giving that hateful speech power by yes. buying into it yes. as well. Yes, I was very disheartened when I saw someone on Facebook share, uh, man, racism's still out here. They, 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 they noosed a, a penguin a stuffed animal penguin with its scarf and said, I hate N-words on, on a piece of paper taped to the head of it. And I'm like, why are you giving this attention? You <laughs> win by just walking past that. Don't post a picture of, of that that gives it attention. That's what they want. That's what people like that want. They want a platform and you're giving, you're handing it to them on a silver platter by acknowledging it. All of the people that say hateful garbage, the best thing that you can do is either... Uh, well, the best thing that you can do is just ignore it or laugh at it, if that. You know, just be like, oh, all right, bye. Because they're in it for the attention. Yes, that's all they want, is that, that to be acknowledged of this hateful, unrealistic form of thought. 
and I feel bad for them. I don't hate them, I pity them, because I, you know, they learned that somebody went out of their way to teach them this. This was impressioned on them when they were a child. That's fucked up. All of the people that are in like the KKK or Nazis, you know, they were taught this by their parents. And they were taught this before by their, by their grandparents, you know, so on and so forth. It's a long line of ignorance being passed down. We have to sit down and with pain. Them. Yes. pain and suffering. Pain, bigly, big. We have to sit down with those people and say, listen, I know it's hard to understand, but this isn't the way that life is. You were lied to. You were probably abused into thinking this way. You don't have to. I'm not your enemy. No one here is your enemy. We're all living the same life. We're all just trying to be ourselves, enjoy being alive. That's the great challenge of this lifetime. So many people are so depressed right now because of social media. It's detaching us from interpersonal relationships that we're having right now. So if you're texting someone, you're not getting the same level of connection that me and you are getting right now by talking. That's a huge hindrance to connection. Communities are butchered now or trying to reform over social media because that's the best they can get. Because that's where the attention is. Yes. You know, I, I would love to see a world that would get back to like, like block parties or block cookouts. That'd be a beautiful thing. Like if, if that happened here, like somebody just set up a grill and like everybody brought like a potluck type thing and everybody cool. would just be like, hi, I'm so-and-so. I'm happy you're here, have some food. And we all just sit down and like enjoy the good food. That's great. Interactions like that are great. They're beautiful because everybody just stops paying attention to all the, the, the noise. desensitizing garbage that you're fed on a daily basis through media. Did you know that, and I learned this through Joe Rogan, Facebook purposely shares fucked up shit because it gets the most attention. The, the AI that is running Facebook intentionally <laughs> shares messed up shit because it gets attention. And it's able to tell? Yeah. It was, pr wow. it was proven. And it, it was an accident, too. That's the worst part, is it was an accident that wasn't supposed to happen, but it adapted naturally to doing that. We have to move away. That's just a reflection on our society. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, we should definitely do that cookout idea. Yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be <laughs> really cool. Like, we got a big open space right there, set, set out chairs and stuff. Yeah. and Like a... Give out free food. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be Buy fun. Buy a bunch of hot dogs and hamburgers. Yeah. Like, there's so much beauty to being alive that we've forgotten a lot of it. Like, we're so... We're afraid to interact with each other because it's safer to do it online. We're not doing it face-to-face, -face, so if I said something that you don't agree with, if you scream at me online, it doesn't <laughs> have the same effect as it is in person. We're right. all becoming, like, hermits, in a sense. Re no, not hermits, recluse. We're all becoming recluse, afraid to interact with each other because real emotions are being made scarier than artificial ones, in a sense. Why would I take the risk of interacting with you in person when it's much safer to interact with you screen to screen? There's no physicality to that.
less uh, apparent judgment. Yes. Yeah. Less of a vulnerability. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Less vulnerability. And that hurts my heart, because we don't have to be afraid of each other. The it, vulnerability is actually what brings us together. Yes. Yeah. It's a challenge that we can build from. Damn. So moving forward, what do you think for the future of your life? What do you do? You have ever like uh, made plans for yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Some directions. So I work as a FedEx delivery driver right now, and I used I really liked it when I started, and now I hate it. And I hate it because my boss is very very ignorant, very closed-minded. I drive a truck that does not have a working transmission. It doesn't have a working airbag. It doesn't oh, wow. have a working seatbelt. Anything happens to me in that truck, my life is literally in the God's hands and my, my beliefs. It's in their hands if anything happens to me with that truck. Nothing in it is going to save me if I get in a car accident. <laughs> literally nothing. True. Why would I want to go to work? But I have to. It's illegal I, almost. Yeah. I have to go to work because I have to make money. A piece of paper dictates rather I live or die. That's not right to me. It's not right to, well, off on a, a quick tangent, it's not right to me that people are punished for living the way they're supposed to off the earth in harmony with it. There was a woman in Florida who was entirely self-sustained. She had a rain catcher, solar panels, a garden. They found her and they sued her for $30,000 for not needing to be taxed on anything. They couldn't tax her on anything because she was completely self-sustained and they fucked her up for it. That is injustice to me. My perspective is if you're able to live off, off the earth 100% naturally, God bless. You did it. Yeah. Good that, job. That could be success. Yeah. But I also learned welding. That's where I met my fiance. I met her at the, the night classes at BOCES over down the road. I wanted to, I've always been good at building things with my hands. That's why I really like blacksmithing. I had a, that's another thing I had a natural understanding of. I was, I excelled in ceramics class. I always made really unique like clay monsters and shit because it was just what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And everyone loved it. They were like, you could be like a video game claymation guy or something. Yeah, and I was definitely. like, you know, that's cool, but that's not really my shtick. And then I got into metalworking and I was like, I get to make the things I love most? I get to make the sharp objects? Fuck yeah, <laughs> sign me up. But I wanna get into a welding job. I, t I was at a company today that does every type of welding there is, which is unique. There aren't a lot of companies that do that anymore. They do every type of welding there is. And they build all sorts of structures. They do every type of, type of commission from Making a predator spear for an eight-year-old to making a, you know, metal sculpture for a business. And I know that because I was that eight-year-old. Um, but I applied to them, and the, the HR rep that I talked to said they were looking for someone that didn't have a whole bunch of experience, were new to the field. And I mentioned to them that I had blacksmith experience, and they're like, apply next week, which was today. So I went and there. And you can apprentice there? Uh... No, or is that not the idea? No, the idea is that you'd be working for them. Uh, they would train you their way of welding and how to, oh, how to okay. weld and construct and fabricate uh, the things that they do because it's largely a commission-based company. Like, farmers will come to them with equipment they need repaired 
or some guy will come to them and they're like, I want a statue of a dinosaur made out of scrap steel in my front yard. And they're like, okay, well, give us a thousand dollars and we'll make that happen. Okay. Um, so it's freelance too? Kind of, yeah. That's my, that's like a dream job for me. You want, you're going to pay me commission to make art. Yeah, I want that job. I'll bust my ass for you. Yeah. But I went there today and I met the boss, not the HR rep. I didn't see her, unfortunately. I saw the boss and he was very, he seemed like he didn't want to hire anyone. So I got one perspective the last time I was there, which was, yeah, we want you. And then I met the actual, or the boss of the, the uh, field, and he was like, I barely have work for the people I have employed. So I got two different stories. That's weird. Yeah. It was a little disheartening. I'm still keeping hope that I that they'll give me an interview and a weld um, test to see if I'm if they want me in there. Yeah. yeah. But that's, well, at least he's got stuff going for you. Yeah. Thank you. I hope so. <laughs> But I want to do welding for a little bit, and then I want to take business classes, uh, some some culinary classes, and I want to open a coffee shop. I want to open a coffee shop that sells crystals, herbs, and things that I blacksmith. Interesting concept. Yeah, really unique store. Do you have a name for it? Not yet. I'm still working on that. But I already know what the what the sign is gonna be. We have a cat that her her cat's name is Milky, mm. and uh, and to honor him when he passes, because I know this is way down the road. He's gonna be long long dead after, you know, when I get this if I can get this store open. I like to say when. Um, I wanted to have the sign of him with like a, a, a like <laughs> one of the Mickey Mouse magic hats on with like a knife and a wand under his paw. Nice. Um, but. Yeah, I want to, I also want local artists to come in, and I want to put their art on display, and I want their art to actually be purchased, I want them to make money off of their art. I don't even want to charge them a commission for having their art in there, I just want them to help, want to help them get their name out there. Build the community yeah. within. Yeah, that's what's important to me. I don't want to make a buck off of someone else's work, I want to make a buck off of my work. Mm -hmm. But I also want to bring up other artists because I know how hard it is to get a platform in that field. We've gone very far away from celebrating artists and the work that they do because it makes social media makes it seems like there's so many of them and there are a lot of them but you but look around three out many? of ten of them are worth purchasing their work mm. <clears throat> no offense to those artists eventually they get there I hope they do but it, uh, uh, that three out of ten actually put in some serious work. That's their life. You know, my friend Nick <clears throat> takes photos. He wants to get a, his name out there. He takes some of the best photos of people that I've seen it, out of all the photographers in Syracuse. His goal is to be the best photographer in Syracuse, and in my personal opinion, he's getting there very quickly. You know, in the span of a year working with that Rebel X that still used film to now having his own digital camera that's not even on the same graphics level as mine, he's still outputting work that is months ahead of mine. Because he, he was putting in his life, his soul, his energy, everything that he has into this work. And I want to take people that are like that, put them in that store, and have people that come in there and actually get to see it firsthand and get their name out there in a perfect world, of course.
Well, you're very ambitious. I try. <laughs> and how your mind is, you're able to interconnect a lot of disconnected ideas because at the end of the day, they're all your ideas. Yeah. I think so about... best of luck. Thanks. <laughs> um, just for the podcast sake, do you want to um, tell the viewers how they can connect to you over social media? So, uh, my Facebook is Jack Cirillo, uh, C-I-R-I-L-L-O. Uh, Instagram, it is Death stroke one one nine one one uh it's called jack storms on there i use storms because that was uh that was my father's name before he passed uh, and yeah those are those are my main platforms cool thank you for having me yeah man thanks jack so there you have it thanks again for tuning in to bindalism a philosophy to self-sufficient lifestyle be sure to explore other episodes of Bindalism on our Spotify and Apple podcast. You can find more Boho Hobo stuff on Instagram and Twitter at Boho underscore Hobo underscore, as well as on our Facebook page at Boho Hobo Lifestyle. It'd also be dope if you could subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Our YouTube channel has more episodes from Bindalism in video form, along with other random shenanigans that we're up to. We're constantly filming new experiences, so it's one way you guys can stay up to date with us in our journey. So yeah, I guess that's it for now. Until next time, peace.